0: We're going to be in Philippians 1 today. I just want to read this first couple verses as we begin. And then we'll kind of get into it. Um, if, you're, if you grab one of the Bibles up front here, it's on page 967 is where we're starting. So there's an advantage to using those. Um, so go ahead and get there. Philippians chapter 1. Here's what it says. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, and the deacons. Now, the church at Philippi is, the, is one of the churches that Paul planted on his missionary journeys. And so he's writing back to them this letter. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God could testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's, let's pray together. Oh, Father, we're thankful for your word and your instruction. Um, God, none of us are here, I, I hope, or I, I know none of us would gain anything from this day. Or just coming to go through the motions to say we just went to church today. We would gain nothing, but we can gain everything if we learn more about you. God, you created this world. You spoke, and it was. You said, let there be light, and there was light. You gave us breath, and so we're seeking you for the answers. And so, God, we do pray that your spirit would move today, that you would um, give us insight, um, that we would point to you with our affections and our mind, that we worship you today through seeking your understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're starting a new series. It's not going to be a really long series on the book of Philippians. Philippians is a, is a letter that, I, like I mentioned, that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And, and it's about four chapters long. Uh, and it's a, it's, a great, it's a great book, great letter. Um, I, one of the interesting things about this book is that Paul wrote it while he was in prison for his faith. And the topic of the book really is joy. So here's a guy who literally, because he's following Christ, uh, gets arrested, put in prison, and he's, so he decides to write a letter on the joy of being a Christ follower while he's in prison. Kind of ironic, and yet, it, truly, that in itself drives the point home. And if you were to think of anything, what it's about, it's about this idea of what it means to live in the gospel. Now, the gospel is an interesting word. We know directly that it means the good news. But it's really been something that for many of us is kind of hard to explain. Or if we were to say, what is the gospel? I grew up thinking the gospel was just someone sharing Jesus with you. Sit down. Hey, if you died today... Do you know for a fact you'd go to heaven? This is the, I'm sharing the gospel with you, and many times we we put the gospel in this this narrow path of what it might truly mean and what it might truly be about. In fact, this week I don't know how many of you are on Twitter, but on Twitter I I had made a comment that um, that I was thinking about the idea of justice and the idea of this life, this gospel life, <clears throat> and I wrote something to the effect of that I I I think we should. I think our hope should be to connect justice with the gospel instead of just seeking a way to draw a line between the two. And so I got a response. Some guy actually from Arizona responded. He retweeted it and he goes, and his response was wrong with a big exclamation point. I'm like, well, that was nice. You know, usually it's hard enough to argue with 140 characters or less, but he decided in one word to just, you know, confront me. And and so I, I tried to go offline and direct message him and just say, hey, tell me, what you're, tell me what you're thinking. What do you think is wrong about this and everything? But if you don't follow one another um, on Twitter, you can't direct message. It's just for the whole world to see. So I tried to gently go back and, and say, hey, listen, I just think that without justice, you know, justice demands the cross. And so without justice, there is, God's justice, there really is no good news for us. So we began to go back and forth. <clears throat> but it was interesting, finally, you know, we kind of, probably embarrassed ourselves to the whole world and, and, and came back. But it just reminded me that, it reminded me how deeply I truly believe Scripture tells us the gospel is bigger than just a sentence or one prayer. But that the gospel is, is the doctrine and story of our salvation. It's, it's, it's this big thing that we're reconciled back to our creator and that, that we are redeemed and we are being restored. His, all the creation is being restored. And that there's this thing we get to live in that Paul is talking about that is joyful in his life and is purposeful. And is not just fire insurance for eternity, you know? It's got to be bigger than that. And I think that uh, there, there are more people today, I, I think, than ever looking at church. And we go through the motions of church at times. And if all we do is want to show up on Sunday and that's it. And we just listen and go home. And, and then we go, there's got to be more to it than this. And you go, I think you're right. I think there's more to it Um than what we think of the gospel times and so i love the book of philippians because i really believe if there's ever a picture of what gospel living looks like because of who christ is and what he's done and because of who we can be because of him this book i think is beautiful and we just spent man a long time in ecclesiastes so it's nice to have a book about joy and so um i love this tim keller who's a, is a great modern-day the, theologian, he says, he wrote this, he says, The gospel has been described as a pool in which a toddler can wade and yet an elephant can swim. It is both simple enough to tell a child and yet profound enough for the greatest minds to explore. Indeed, even the angels never tire of looking into it. And he's referring to 1 Peter 1.12, that it, it talks about the angels just marveling and contemplating and desiring it. Then he goes on, he says, humans are no means angels, however, so rather than contemplating it, we just argue about it. He says, like God, the gospel is both one and more than that. It's not saying the gospel is God, it is the story of God and his plan, but just the nature of it, God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's saying the gospel is both one, fully captured in the fact that Jesus just died for us. But it's more than that. And it's always more than that. And when you ever find yourself in faith going, there's got to be more than this, I assure you there is. I assure you there's more hope, there's more joy, there's more purpose, there's more contentment, there's more. And I believe with all my heart, God and scripture is not standing in the way of it. It's probably us. Maybe it's church, maybe it's our ways, but I think my heart is, is, is that we could just dig into his word and lean on scripture and lean on God and say, okay, what does gospel mean to us? What should it mean to us as we seek to live it out? So let's do this. Let's look into uh, Philippians chapter 1. We're just going to do the first couple of verses. First, Actually, a couple is not 10. We're going to do the first 10 verses today. Uh, we're going to just dig through it kind of one verse at a time or a couple verses at a time. I think that's the best way. I don't want this scripture. I don't want us to decide what the scripture says. I just want us to learn from the scripture. And we've said it many times, let us define our lives and define the way we do church by scripture instead of use scripture to defend the way we want to do church. Can we do that? So let's look at it. First of all, it says Paul and Timothy. So Paul is representing not only himself, but Timothy, writing back. It says, servants of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ, Jesus, at Philippi. Together with the overseers and the deacons. So he's talking about the church. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this word servant that he uses. Servant, there is bondservant. We've talked about what a bondservant is before. A bondservant is not your typical just servant or slave, although it can be translated slave. But what a bondservant is, is a slave. The only person who could be characterized as a bondservant is one who once was a slave, but was bought with a cost, was freed. And then that person, out of their indebtedness or their gratefulness, willingly submits themselves back to that person because they freed them. So you have this word picture and this true reality that as we are slaves to sin, born into sin, that Jesus died for us, literally redeemed us before God. And now we have the opportunity to just because of who he is, submit ourselves back to him. So this is when it talks about being a servant of Christ Jesus, that's what he means. So Paul and Timothy, the servant of Jesus Christ to all God's people. In the letters of the New Testament, one of the things I love is my favorite two parts are the very beginning and the very end. It's kind of the the signature and the sign off. Because in it, you always find out specifically uh, who is writing, what their hope and what their purpose is. And they always close it with that very specifically kind of a summary. And if you hear anything, hear this. But the best part about the the sign-on is they not only give who they are and their hope and their purpose, but they also give the authority in which they're speaking from. And so Paul is very clear here to say this. Listen, I used to have a lot of authority as a Pharisee as a teacher of the law, as a governing official. I had authority, I had the papers to go and persecute Christians when I wasn't a Christian. I could take life, I could sit there as people were being stoned and I could look at them and I could approve of it. That's the kind of position I had. And he says, but I don't write to you as that person that I was. I write to you only under the authority of Jesus as a servant of Jesus Christ. He's saying, this is my identity, this is my power, this is who I am and I need you to know that this is why I'm writing to you. And so we go back to this theme and we're going to see it throughout his letters. Not just who do we say that Jesus is, but who are we? Who is he because of who he says Jesus is? And it's dealing with our identity, truly our gospel identity. I want to give you this thought. You and I will never be more ourselves than when we're closest to Christ. You will never be more yourself than when you are closest to Christ. Now, when I first thought that, I thought, was that really true? Because, you know, most of my spiritual journey, I, God is calling me to do things that I would never normally do. And, and I find myself caring about things or being challenged to be stuff that I, I had never done my whole life. And, and to the point, I don't know about you, but it, I, I feel this way at times. I feel like I'm almost faking Christianity. I, like I'm pretending like I value these things more than I really do because I know it's right or I want to, but really I'm thinking, gosh, I'm just, I'm losing myself. In fact, a lot of people are so afraid to jump both feet into Christianity and faith and just embracing the gospel because we're afraid of being changed because there's a promise of being changed and yet we're afraid of being changed because we don't want to lose who we are because our identity is in this, right? But you will never be more yourself than when you are closest to Christ because here's why. That is not the real you. The you that we know and the me that I know, that I grew up with and I lived with, was the broken me. We don't even know the real us yet. We don't even know the full potential yet. We don't even know all that we can be and should be and can accomplish through Christ. When we lean on our own strengths and, and we look back into our own limitations because of the bad decisions we've made and the things that we've done and the, we hold all this, we forget that Scripture says there is no condemnation for all those who are in Christ Jesus. Our identity is no longer in who we were or what we failed to do or what we did. It's in who He is and what He's done and made us stand clean before God. That is good news. So this is our gospel identity. I I gave a couple statements in each of the scriptures, and then I kind of relate it back to what the story of the gospel is doing in there. And the gospel identity is this reality that we're never more ourselves than when we are closest to Christ. And uh, this is good. And yet it's still hard to believe, isn't it? It's still hard to believe. And and I I think about it in this way. You know, almost every time you see in scripture where a man... A human being came in contact with the, what scripture might say, called the angel of the Lord. And if you were looking at each instance, <clears throat> um, some would believe that, that maybe it was, it was Jesus or truly just angels or messages or whatever it may be. But whenever someone came face to face with this representation of God, do you remember what their first response was? F- absolute terror. Fearfulness. They were scared to death. What do you think they were scared of? Huh? Maybe the mightiness and the greatness? Being seen? Like, whoops. I mean, think about all the things we do in the day, and all of a sudden God appeared. You'd be like, I was just. just no, 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 you know? Okay. Oh, yeah. My bad. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just exposing. All of a sudden there's this amazing revelation of how, what we're not and who he is. I don't know. Maybe it's just this greatness or whatever it is. But the response is always this. Do not fear. Many times followed by, for I bring you good news. See, it's our flesh that wants to fear what God has in store for us. It's our flesh and our brokenness that wants to fear whatever it is God is taking us towards in order to experience this goodness. Um, I want to say something, but I'm not supposed to say it yet. Okay, we'll get to it. So that's the first one. You'll never be more yourself than when you're closest to Christ. I keep wanting to repeat that. It's so true. And when you find your new self, it's just so beautiful. And you realize how far you are to your newer self, you know. But it's just this beautiful journey of peace and joy. And that's what Paul is trying to say. That you can have all this stuff that you literally murdered people. And you could be in chains for God and yet have the greatest joy of your life. That is possible. Gospel identity. Verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, all, for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I think about this relationship he had. He wasn't at Philippi. He started the church and left. And yet there was such this strong bond and relationship. There was something going on there that was just so beautiful. Deeply beautiful. You could hear in these words. And I can't help but think as I look back at this New Testament church. This thing they called the way. Okay. Okay. I can't help but think that they valued community and relationship at this amazingly deep level that I think it's hard, really hard for us, maybe in our culture, maybe in our pride, maybe in our selfishness, whatever, that they, they valued. They had something there that the church today might be missing a little of. I can't help but look back and, and, and see that. Here's a quote I put on Facebook last week. And I saw it and it just knocked it rocked my face off said this if the church of today does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church it will lose its authentic ring forfeit the loyalty of millions and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century that resonated at all with you if you do the numbers you know 45,000 people a week are leaving the church today that's millions um It will be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. That quote was by Martin Luther King in 1963. As if it could be written today. But this sacrificial spirit and this authentic ring that he talks about is something that when I hear, it just feels right. It's something I think that I crave deeply. And I think that that's what He's saying here in this scripture, and here's the point, that true community will be found in our collaborative mission. We're talking about here is gospel community. He had this connection because of the word is the partnership in the gospel. What does it mean to have partnership in the gospel? Well, that word partnership, there's two key words that you're going to see throughout Philippians. The first one is this one. The word really in the Greek is koinonia, which means a a sharing of, a fellowship. So it's not just this shoulder-to-shoulder thing that you do, but it's this thing that you are living, that you are partnering in this thing, this gospel, this reality of who Jesus is and what he's calling us to. That is so beautiful, that is so joyful, that is so everything that we truly desire. That's what it's, it's talking about. And as I go back to this quote from MLK, it's talking about when we lose that, not only do we lose something special, but we, we uh, lose our voice. That true community has a voice that, that we do not have alone. You do not have the same voice in the gospel by yourself trying to live out the gospel because the gospel is bigger than that because it is about together. It is about this fellowship and this partnership together. And the truth is, is that it fills a void that so many of us intuitively seek to fill in other ways. For whatever reason, we tend to go there. Psychologists say, everyone has the desire to know and be known. That's one of the greatest needs of mankind. That it fills that void and it gives us that place to belong. But here's what I believe. I don't believe that means we ditch all other community. See, gospel community means that you have a place where you belong and you have a place to be able to partner and pursue what gospel is and grow together because none of us really knows it fully. But we're on this journey together and we can all be learners and no one's sitting there going, well, I've got it figured out. Come along with me and I'll help you. It's not that. But it's this place where we're all learning and we're all vulnerable with each other and we don't judge each other on what happened there because that is not us anymore. That is our other identity. Even though we may do it every now and then now, we don't like it. But our identity is in Christ and our value is in Christ and our value is in gospel and gospel community. So we have this place to grow in. Warts and all. Beautiful. But it gives you this place to grow in that then you might be gospel to those other relationships and to those other community circles or or intersections of life that we have. It, it gives purpose to those. Instead of just being a stumbling block to you, it gives purpose to those. And you have to step back and go, why am I in why am why do why am I in this group with all these hoodlums? It gives purpose. Because I love these guys. Because I got something they need. And I don't know really how to bring it to them. So the last thing I'm going to do is just leave them. I just want to be good news and bring gospel community to them. And it's not what I could do and perform. Because it's not me, it's Christ. Gospel community, that's part of the good news. Let's move on before I cry more. Verse 6, he says, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that phrase, being confident of this. He's just like, listen, if one thing I know, it's this. Jesus ain't a quitter. He started in you. He's going to keep going. Don't give up on him. He's going to keep going. All right? But here's what I'm learning in this, is that our strength and this power, really what he's talking about is this perseverance that'll continue on. Like a lot of us, man, we could do, we could live the faith for a day or two, like no one's business, right? It's the long haul that gets tough. Um, perseverance, right, this is your my thought, perseverance comes from the work done in us, not through us. It's talking about a gospel endurance or a gospel strength that happens it's important it says in us not through us this is important for us because we're a socially active church we do a lot and if we're not careful we might start thinking that what we do justifies us before god it's not true you can go out be the best person in the world and until your sins are atoned for like through christ just doesn't matter it's just wood hay and stubble it's just going to burn away guys But because our identity is found in Christ, if that's where we place it and we're not doing it because we feel bad and we need to do something good, maybe it'll even out somewhere, you know. We're not doing it because we think of that. It's complete dependency on Christ and we just do it because it's right and because we want to be good news. And then what happens is God begins to work in us. He's going to accomplish out there what he's going to accomplish with or without us. So it's not through us, but it's in us. So believe it or not, on a Servos of Sunday... I want to love your neighbor or serve your city through your restore group. God is working on you. That's the good news. And he's going to carry it out. And it's going to continue. We're not talking about slapping lipstick on a pig here, you know? Okay, when I was... (laughs) You've heard that before. Probably not in church. (laughs) Probably not about gospel community. Okay, speaking of... Never mind. Um, when I was in my uh, early 20s and I was in ministry, I was in youth ministry. Um, I was, you know, while I came to faith when I was six, um, I didn't really commit myself to faith until I was my junior year in college. I started to ministry and I knew that was what God was calling me to. But I was behind the eight ball. I had never really studied scripture. Um, my life prior to then did not reflect a Christ follower in any, any form, really. Um, and I remember just trying to just change the way I behaved and just follow all the rules and just trying to make everybody happy with me and not screw up, you know. And I was in ministry. I was serving. I w- you know, and I was, I was pressing into it as much as I could. But I remember just having this moment in my life where I just craved so deeply for, to be changed inside, it's like, I don't, wanna, I don't want this to be so much work anymore. God, I just. When do I want to do this with all my heart? You know, all of this. Um, it was really a weird feeling. I remember I came to my pastor. And, I mean, it was the first time I'd ever been vulnerable about this to anybody. And I just told him, I said, how does this happen? You know, how does it work? When, do, when does that, you know, when do the layers peel back? And all of a sudden, here I am, you know. And, and I remember seeing on his face a little confusion, but also a little bit of identifying with that. And he, I, if I recall right, his answer was kind of just keep plugging away and studying the Bible and praying and God, you know, it'll happen over the time. And it, the truth is it kind of does. But as long as I was just going through the motions of church as I knew it in that time just going to church and thinking about me and how it benefited me and then I would live my life the way I wanted to and I would live my relationships the way I wanted to, it never seemed to sink in until the gospel became bigger than that. And when it became bigger than that, and I started thinking about my true identity in Christ and the fact that we are on this journey together that, that brings this ultimate fulfillment in Christ and began to serve because of who I was in Christ and was around other people who wanted to make a difference in the world because Christ made a difference in the world and things started just rapidly and radically changing. Therein comes so much strength. verse 7 so you get that perseverance comes from the work done in us not through us gospel endurance verse 7 more confidence it's like he was wrestling with this and he had finally decided verse 7 it is right for me to feel this way about all of you it says i have you in my heart whether i'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify, verse 8, God can testify how long for how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Constantly, he comes back. Constantly. What I do, what I feel, what I am is because of Jesus. Constantly. He's leading a church here, so he's got to do that, but I think the guy really believes it. Don't you? He's in prison. <laughs> and he still feels this way. I think he really believes it. And he says, whether I'm in change, and it's about this relationship, whether I'm in change and defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. If I'm in prison and I still feel this connection with someone not in prison and, it, and it's, it's about this gospel, I couldn't help but wonder if this grace that they shared in, not only was in the saving grace of Christ, but in the saving from our own identity to him. Like he could sit there and go, he literally says this later, I was chief among sinners. And it's like he's kind of going, and you were kind of like, you know, you were, you were there too. <laughs> but we share in this grace. Not one of us can sit and think, I'm, I'm better than the person next to me. I've got it a little more figured out. But there's unity in this vulnerability and this openness and this honestness about this grace. And I think the problem comes is when we forget that we share in that grace together. That's when the Pharisees come out and the religious and the legalism comes out. And instead of leading with love, we lead with judgment and people feel condemned. Our prayer at A&C, number one, is the Spirit shows up at whatever we do. Because we believe we, people need to encounter the Spirit, not a great band or a good teacher or whatever. Um, but the other thing is that people feel like there's a place they can belong there no matter what. That there's a place for you, wherever you are, to discover what God has to say. That it doesn't come with judgment and disdain or because we share in the same grace. So let's move forward. That point there is we gain confidence when we share in God's grace. It's this gospel assurance It's a confidence. It is right for me to feel this way, he said. Because we share in the same grace. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Verse nine closes out. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. See, that's a phrase that freaks me out at times. Pure and blameless. We have to redefine what pure and blameless means and how we get it. It's not because we're perfect. It's because we are in Christ. That's why we need Jesus. Okay? Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. I love that, the glory and praise of God. One of the things when I fear, I fear... Well, God, are you going to jack up my life? Am I no longer going to la- have fun anymore? Because that was fun. Anybody tells you that sin's not fun, hasn't sinned a lot. Sometimes it's fun. It may, you pay for it. There's no doubt. But sometimes we wonder, Am my life going to be jacked up now? Can I do this? Listen, the ultimate thing that God's doing here is to glorify himself so people can see that he's worthy of worship. Last thing He's going to do is jack up your life where He's miserable and everybody looks at it and goes, huh, maybe God's not that great. He wants to do something in you that people look at and marvel at and go, wow, how can there be no God? (laughs) I love this. this, That you may be able to discern what is best. That's the first phrase you're going to see throughout Philippians is this idea of fellowship, this koinonia, this sharing and this partnership. The next one is this word here. Um... That is, it's, it's diafaro, it comes from two words. One that means to carry and the other means through, to carry through. To discern what is best so that you may be able to discern what is best. In some, uh, in some uh, translations it says to discern what is excellent. It's talking about to, for you to be able to always see and to excel and to, to surpass whatever it is that there's more of it. That you're able to see not only what is good, but what is best, and that there's always more. That it never ends. It's this idea of this ever-increasing goodness. Here, here's the point. Increasing knowledge, the right kind of knowledge, not, it results in an increasing insight of application. Not just insight. If you truly get it, you're going to want to apply it. It won't just seem like a good idea. It'll seem like, whoa, that's truth. That makes so much sense. Now, you may not have the ability yet or inside of application and an increasing, here's the fruit of it, love. An increasing love. We're talking about the gospel transformation. Where we are changed. Where we are made new. Um, you are sitting here today and you, you may think this thing, this past experience or this thing that happened to me or this environment I grew up in or whatever, that this defines who I am. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what it is, the darkest valley, it's a lie from the devil. That the, one of the greatest gifts of God Christ is that we are not defined by that that because of Christ we can be defined as a child of God truly not a good you not a better you but the best you Um, I don't think that you know the church I grew up in in order to receive Jesus you know you had to walk the aisle and pray with the pastor and and say, Jesus, come into my heart, and these things. And I believe that if someone does that, they truly mean this, and they go through those, those motions that if they're surrendering. i got to be honest with you, I've prayed to receive Jesus about 3,000 times in my life, just to make sure one of them stuck, right? That is laughter of recognition. Um, many of you have been there. I, I, don't, I think it counted the first time I really meant it. But I don't think, I don't think there, you have to go through this. You can, I think you could be here in a moment, sitting in your chair right now, and just go, I'm done. Jesus, I need you. And I think it happens. You could be out in a hunting blind, or fishing, or walking along a street, or in your backyard. And you get to that moment, and you just go. My identity is so wrapped up in who I've been, and who I am. I've never surrendered myself to Christ. Jesus, forgive me. I need you. And I believe there's a party in heaven because you know you're a child of God. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. I'm going to just encourage you to think through these things. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to receive Christ. Um, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can trust in that and knowing that's a starting point. If you've done that, you can trust in that. Think through, pray through, God, where am I? Where's my strength? I want to leave you with the last few verses from chapter 4. It's the last thing because I, like I like the signature. I like the sign-on and the sign-off. Paul writes, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. And I could do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Verse 19, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray.